Listeners, welcome back to what we've been watching. Phil and I are here to give you four classic movie reviews. Uh, yeah, classic reviews. I'm not sure classic films, though. No, perhaps not. What are your two this week, Phil? My two this week are Unbroken, a film starring Jack O'Connell, a true story directed by Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I saw that trailed, actually. I'm interested to hear what you think. And the other one is The Wrestler, uh, and it stars Mickey Rourke. He is a wrestler, and he's kind of an aged one. Good one, Phil. Okay, my two movies are going to be Contact, starring Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey from 1997, I thought I'd do that with Arrival out in the cinemas. This is sort of similar, sort of mm, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, I'm going to do The World Is Not Enough. The James World Bond. Is Not Save it, man. Save it. I'm going to sing it later. Trust me. It's going to be great. No, not really. <laughs> Maybe a little snippet of it. Uh, listeners, thank you very much uh, for listening and getting in touch. Remember, you can tell us what you think of our reviews and our opinions at superbellybros at gmail.com or at superbellybros on Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. That would be fantastic. That would be brilliant. Okay. We get it going. Let's get it going. Do you want to go first? Me or, or you? Head, should we flip a coin? Okay. Heads. And it's Laurie. It wasn't even a real coin. All right. So, <laughs> shall I start with um, contact? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Contact. of an unidentified radio source from deep space can neither be confirmed nor denied. Whatever it is, it ain't local. Position? I checked interferometry somewhere in Lyra, I think. Uh, Vega? Can't be. It's only 26 light years away. I want all these people out of here. You're having sent this announcement all over the world may well constitute a breach of national security. Oh, this isn't a person-to-person call. This may be an announcement to get our attention. The president's called an emergency meeting. You know those interlaced frames that we thought were noise? This says structure. I'm going to recommend to the president that we militarize this project immediately. There's no reason to believe that their, their intentions are hostile. There's no proof of that. Why don't they just speak English? Mathematics is the only truly universal language, Senator. Buried within the message itself is the key to decoding it. Those look like engineering schematics, almost like blueprints. It is our belief that the message contains instructions for building some kind of machine. A machine? It might turn out to be some kind of a transport. Transport? The fact is, you don't know what it does. It could be anything. Nobody's saying this is dangerous. They're going to build it. Who gets to go, though? It's complicated, Ellie. Who gets to go? By doing this, you're willing to risk your life. You're willing to give your life and die for this. Why? Mm, very mysterious, eh? Mm. So Contact is Jodie Foster as Ellie Arroway, who, as a young girl, was fascinated by radio signals that she could pick up with a little transmitting device thing. And she used to try and connect with people all over the world. The opening scene is a really nice one of her in her room with her father. And she manages to make contact with a radio station all the way down in Florida. And she's clearly, you know, delighted by this. And her key question to her dad is, do you think I could use this thing if I got enough, you know, range on it, a big enough antenna? Could I talk to mum? And her mum has obviously died many years earlier. So as a young girl, she was clearly fascinated by the idea of communicating with things miles and miles away. Cut to the present day and Jodie Foster is there as an adult, similarly fascinated with these things, but so much so that she's seeking extraterrestrial life and using cutting edge equipment to direct big satellites in space and listen. Basically, she listens incredibly hard for any evidence of communication out there. And the film opens with a really cool sort of visual illustration of this, which is that it opens 
with a, a space shot of Earth, and you can hear a jumble of the most current radio waves, Phil, including, oh, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want. What you want. <laughs> that was hot, man, when this film was released. Just imagine that. That's crazy. Uh, and then as the, as the camera sort of zooms out and goes further and further through the universe, the signals get older. Because actually, it's a nice reminder that sound and radio takes time to travel through space. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you yeah. hear all the monumental events of, well, mostly American history, it has to be said, uh, further, further out into space. Uh, anyway, she is considered a bit of a quack by her scientific peers for searching for aliens, basically, and everyone laughs at her. She loses her funding. She goes on a journey to get the funding back again, trying to get people to believe in her and realise that what they're doing is really important, the search for extraterrestrial life. And... As she does that, she meets Matthew McConaughey, who is sort of a theologian guy. He's not really a vicar. He's not even really a sort of church minister. He's just someone who is firmly convinced that there is a spiritual presence in the universe. And that's because he had this amazing transcendent experience that he couldn't prove to anybody and he could barely explain to anyone, but he was certain that it was, you know, a bigger intelligence making contact with him. Mm. And that sort of sets the scene for the rest of the movie. There's this conflict between someone who is searching, you know, empirically trying to prove the existence of higher intelligences and another person who's convinced they exist, but for him, it's a more spiritual pursuit based around faith. And it kind of expands. Jodie Foster's character, Ellie, has a breakthrough. She hears something and they spend a long time trying to decipher this communication that turns out to be multi-layered and complex. She has massive ups and downs where she's off the project and back on the project. They lose funding, they gain funding. Um, But the summation of it is there is a message that's being communicated and that therefore opens up a huge spectrum of discussions uh, amongst the world's sort of political forces. You know, who is it who gets the right to sort of decipher this message and make contact? Who should represent uh, the world if it is in fact an alien communication? But then what do you do about all the believers that you've got in your country? And I think it's a particular spotlight on America because there's a statistic that gets thrown around quite a lot, which is that 95% of the population uh, would say they have a faith. I'm not sure that would be the same in a census taken today, 20 years later. I don't think so. Is that right? Mm, I don't know. I think America is a pretty spiritual country still. 95% though. Yeah, I think lots... In terms of if you ask them a question of if they believe in a higher power, I think that would be that high. Okay. But in terms of like actively sort of following a faith, I'm not sure it would be. Okay. But either way, the film tries to explore all these themes and bring them up. Um, and what is fascinating about this film in some ways, isn't in the film, which is the thinking behind it, because it's a guy called Carl Sagan. Sagan. Thank you, Phil. Carl Sagan, who is a famous astrophysicist and astronomer, cosmologist. He's the real deal. He used to advise NASA, and he's advised other creative projects as well. He was actually an advisor for 2001, The Space Uh, Odyssey. And he wrote this. He wrote this in collaboration with Anne Druyan, I'm not particularly familiar with, and the film's directed by Robert Zemeckis. But obviously there's real scientific thought that's gone into this, and I think that explains the discursive nature of the film. Because, you know, the scientific method is all about trying to throw up as many contingencies as possible, look at as much evidence as possible to throw out erroneous results and identify real results. And the film sort of attempts to do that in its wide-ranging discussion that very rarely comes to any kind of consensus. And I think that makes it quite an enjoyable and unique viewing experience because today's movies on sci-fi stuff and the nature of existence in the universe tend to be a a little bit more hard and fast if I can say that Mm. people don't like the idea that there is any sort of ontological or ethical question about the origin of life and nature in the universe and this film that is what it's all about and I think that is really interesting the 
I just felt that overall, given how over the top and impressive the sort of set dressing in the movie is, like these politicians and world leaders are really at each other's throats trying to figure this stuff out, like the ideology and everything. But really at its heart, the movie has quite a simple idea. It's not that complicated, but the people in the film act as if it is really complicated and they need all these experts, like theological advisors to the president. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of trumped up um, and a bit over the top. Right. uh, not intentional yeah um and uh, you know i think in a way that's a good thing robert zemeckis has form like this he's able to really spin out a large world without it feeling hammy or hackneyed or slow and i think he even you know transformed allied from a really bland movie into a mainly bland movie <laughs> um, uh, quite recently as well so that there's lots to be enjoyed i just think the central concept of it and the discussion is a little bit dated and will probably fall flat. The film will feel very slow because they take a long time doing everything that they're doing as if it's really complicated. It just isn't really complicated. So what sort of grade would you give it? I would probably give it a, a B. Yeah, B, I think. I'd give it a B because it is an enjoyable experience. It's long. It's two and a half hours long. And I really like Jodie Foster. I think she's a really magnificent screen presence. I, you know, she brings weight and believability to her roles that really in some way shouldn't exist because they're kind of cliched. But she's great. Matthew McConaughey, it's really fun to see him as a young guy doing or sort of foreshadowing the sorts of roles he might play in his reconnaissance because he plays a completely different character than you'd expect of a guy like that. Mm. A sort of charming but intellectual man of faith right I mean it doesn't sound like Matthew McConaughey to me yeah Uh, and also fun to see James Woods in there as well as a kind of sneering government advisor lots of things about it are great for its time the CGI and the design of this machine that they end up creating is quite fun to look at and it it is quite exciting you know the idea that within the film you're going to see something really special and transcendent is exciting and then the way that they use that after that kind of event has happened is also fun so yeah a B okay makes sense or confusing Uh, it's intrigued me Good, that's that's what I hope for. All right, Mm. what's yours? I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with Unbroken. Okay. Keep going the way you're going, you end up as a bum on the street. You train. You fight harder than those other guys, and you win. You can take it, you can make it. You can do this, Lou. You just got to believe you can. Pop does. Ma does. I do. Louis, a moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. We're gonna die out here. We're not dying! Who is the Olympic athlete? Don't look at me. Hello, mother, father. This is your Louis talking. I am now interned in a Tokyo prisoner of war camp. I used to think that I could do anything. That I was better than I am. He says you're not. If you get me through this, I swear I'll dedicate my whole life to you. I'm a big fan of Jack O'Connell. I saw him in Money Monster and he's pretty good. Well, he got his start actually from Skins. I know, so. and that's why I'm surprised that he's pretty good. And I remember when this was film was being trailed, I was really surprised to see that um, he'd made it into sort of the big 
big movies, really, because I I didn't really think he was going to be anything but a TV actor, really, because he's quite sort of rough and ready and very British. And yet here he is playing sort of an American hero, a real-life American person, Louis Zamperini, who is a, a real-life person, an American athlete, who had quite a long stretch of just really incredible series of events in his life. Right. Sort of almost Forrest Gump-esque, but real. And he happens to be an incredible runner, and uh, he uses that as his, his sort of way to really grow as a person, to mature. This film starts sort of with him in a bombing plane during World War Two. I was just going to ask how the war fits into all that, yeah. So it starts with him in a World War Two, and then uh, you see him basically crash, and then it goes backwards and looks at him as a person and what he was like as a kid and when it was discovered he could run and he was the the thing with Louis is the fact that he is able to be determined and despite being sort of far back in the pack he just seems to start pushing through the pain and the difficulty and he and it, that's where his success comes from his drive and this leads him obviously towards bigger and better things and it's sort of sorting out his life from where he started as sort of this um, Italian family, not really liked in the community. And he reaches the Olympics and he has way more success than is anticipated. He even beats the main guy for the American team. And then it all goes wrong because the war breaks out and he gets recruited in. He joins the Air Force, I think it is, and he's on bombing runs and things like that. Hence the opening of the film. Yeah, yeah. And then it, I don't, it's hard, I don't want to spoil the film, but I feel like it's, it doesn't really make sense unless you kind of lay it out. His, his plane crashes, he, they get shot down, they make an emergency landing in the sea, and then him and a couple of his uh, uh, co-pilots and things, they're stranded on the sea for 47 days. Goodness me, it's really? Yeah. I didn't pick that up from any of the trailers. Yeah, exactly. And then, having been stuck there for 47 days, surviving off like catching things and, and rain and things like that, the people who find them are the Japanese who then take them to a prisoner of war camp and is is picked on basically because they recognise that he is an Olympic athlete. Right. They find out he's an Olympic athlete and then he gets targeted by the, the sort of prison warden of this prisoner of war camp. I think his name is The Bird. Okay. He's known as The Bird. And their main, their main aim is basically to break him, to sort of prove that Japan is more powerful, more dominant. Presumably the film's title gives us a clue as to how successful they are. Well, yeah, so um, this is Angelina Jolie directing. This is Jack O'Connell, quite a young guy, as as the lead. Um, I feel like this film is misjudged, basically, because the guy sounds absolutely fascinating, and yet, believe it or not, the stuff which is in the film is only half the story. Really? Yeah, genuinely. It's only half the story because actually the real sort of... I don't, I don't even know what the word is. The kind of real sort of high point of the story doesn't even come until later on. And instead they do the later on as a sort of black screen at the end with the white text. Seriously? Yeah, and you think, wow, where, where's that film? I want to watch that film. That sounds amazing. Oh, wow. Because that's when you think, wow, this guy's incredible. And actually the stuff you're watching is more like... It's... You, it's it basically is saying, can you believe somebody went through this? Can you believe somebody's done this? Can you believe somebody couldn't go through this and not be broken? But it doesn't really ever say why. It never gives any insight into him as a person. Uh, what's it, what is actually his drive? It says he's driven and it says that he, I mean, they constantly say this, this tagline, if you can take it, you can make it. Right. But right. What, why? Like, it just seems to be that that's, that's who he is. And his character, he, who he is as a person, isn't really explored properly. It doesn't really ever establish him. It's more about the intense situation and the fact that someone 
did stand up underneath yeah, it. Yeah, and it, and it feels quite sort of, it just feels like a waste of a good story because essentially what they're saying, look at that, isn't that crazy? He did this, he did this, he did this. And they're saying, wow, oh, wow, how could anyone do that? And then they, they're like, oh yeah, how could anyone do that? Isn't that weird? <laughs> and that's it. And you're just like, Grr! but the thing is, is the second half, the, 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 the black screen part of the, the film that's where you're like, wow, that sounds amazing. You sure this isn't just your love of those moments in these films? No, but that's that's what I find funny because I do love those moments, but genuinely that seems to be where the real story is. I mean, now and you're actually, just making me curious and I'm already, my fingers are itching to start actually, looking up on Wikipedia. This was, a, this was based on a book, I think it was an autobiography, and people who read that or read this book that it, the film is based on have said they hated the film wow, really? because of this reason, because they leave out the main kind of transformation the the main sort of thing that really defines this person this amazing story and instead they focus on what he endured not what he did if that makes sense well that's interesting phil because prepare yourself for this the two writers credited are joel and ethan cohen for the screenplay are you suggesting it's the writer's fault or angelina jody's probably both i don't think it's a badly made film i don't think it's badly written i think it's the wrong focus okay all right they probably overall I think it makes me want to read the book massively. Yeah, yeah. And I think Jack O'Connell, I think he did a good job as this sort of guy. But I wish I could get into the head of him in the film more. And I didn't really feel like I did. What's and that's a real shame. The grade for me is probably a B. That doesn't sound as bad as I feared it would be based on your description there. No. I don't think it's a bad film. It's just I wish it could have been an A A film because I think it could have been. Oh, there we go. Our listeners, I wonder what you think. Okay, should I do my next? Mm. All right, my next fill is The World Is Not Enough. Brilliant. As the countdown begins to the 21st century, it's good to know there is still one number you can always count on. Bond. Bond. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? Renard is behind this. He will die along with everyone in the city. We do not negotiate with terrorists. His only goal is chaos. I sent 009 to kill Renard. He put a bullet in his head. A bullet's still there. He feels no pain. He can push himself harder, longer than any normal man. No hard feelings, Mr. Bond. It appears that you have been beaten. Don't make this personal. I can't do that. I just can't help thinking I'm next. New model. In the very latest in interception countermeasures. And six beverage cup holders. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second, always have an escape plan. For the world's greatest secret agent. You've defused hundreds of these, right? When the stakes are high. Yeah, but they're usually standing still. Life's full of small challenges. And the danger hits too close to home. He has M. By noon tomorrow, you'll feel nothing at all. I thought it was your job to protect me. It's not just professional. Someone's tampered with the bomb. It's personal. I have to get it back or somebody's going to have my butt. First things first. Well, maybe you should not be living here. <laughs> uh, that's an Adam and Joe reference there, listeners. That's uh, Pierce Brosnan in the film Taffin. Why don't you just play the clip, man? Yeah, why don't I do that? What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! <laughs> but okay, that is not the film we're reviewing. 
Yeah, The World Is Not Enough is actually the first James Bond film that I ever saw. Ever, ever? Yeah, it was when I was quite young. I saw it at the cinema with one of my friends. And at the time, I must have been like 12 or something, I don't know, I was really impressed by it. And I thought, whoa, is this a film like I've never seen before? Like, this guy just doesn't care at all. He's going around shooting people, solving crimes, getting all the ladies, all that kind of stuff. And I, I know I got the James Bond sort of, whoa, how about that? Who is this guy? Exactly, yeah. And the fact that it's Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> something about that guy stayed with me all my life. And he's kind of a sort of a terrible role model, but I can't help him being one. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Which we all should be a bit more Pierce. But anyway, uh, it's just not good i really wish having watched it again recently i could say it still had that impact on me but unfortunately especially having seen all the bond catalog now i think this sadly marks a real tailing off of the franchise overall uh because even though it has a lot of elements that make the bond franchise exciting like a distinctive villain you know robert carlyle as this guy renard who's got a bullet in his brain that prevents him from feeling any pain but it's also inexorably tra- traveling deeper into his brain so eventually he'll die and it gives him the ultimate like sort of villain skill set and sort of motive to commit really terrible acts right that's a great bad guy mm. for a film and it's got sophie marceau as the electric king who's this kind of mercurial mysterious uh, lady you can't ever quite tell whose side she's on and she manipulates and controls things just as easily and fluidly as james bond himself you know you've got uh, the old Q leaving for the last time uh, and being replaced by john cleese and nice comic elements you've even got like a stealth boat and stuff that gets driven around the river thames Do you remember that opening mm. sequence so many elements but the problem is it's dealt with in such a pedestrian way it feels incredibly watered down and very sort of early 2000s action movie uh, and it, it just is tacky ultimately it feels really tacky no better exemplified by the casting of Denise Richards as a nuclear physicist <laughs> Christmas Jones I feel like that was the thing which broke it really that was actually genuinely the thing that broke do you think it was the world because it suddenly becomes just so blatant what they're doing yeah exactly and it really becomes formulaic so they have all the pieces in place but the thing holding it all together reveals itself to be very polished product but it's a tacky one. It's actually not a satisfying one at all. And I'm really disappointed to say that, actually, uh, because it's also got, you know, Robbie Coltrane in it as, uh, what's that guy's name? I can never remember the character's name. He's a Russian sort of crime guy that James Bond has a love-hate yeah, relationship like a, with, quite yeah, combative. Yeah. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, and that, there was something nice about that, but even that, they ended up playing like a really lame sort of comedic role. Like there's a bit where he's running away from um, helicopter blades. Do you remember that? Or yeah, sort I of like that saws, And it's terrible CGI, and it's weirdly comic in the wrong sort of way it just doesn't work at all and i feel like i should just remind us this in case you've forgotten this is the one where there's a kind of an oil pipeline someone dies they're not sure who's responsible various terrorist acts still take place they think it's this guy renard but then as they delve into it more it looks like he's in cahoots with someone and they're not totally sure and it all becomes you know an oil-based uh, terror plot and even m judy dench gets wrapped up in it all is that the one where they end up like sort of flying down an oil pipe trying to disfuse yeah, a bomb? Yeah, that's quite. That's another one of these good elements I'm talking about. They ride on this machine, which is designed to sort of check faults in the pipeline, but they rock it down to try and catch up to another machine that's got a, a nuclear bomb in it, basically, that's they claim is going to blow up the pipeline but then they kind of you know they race up to it they jump on it they try and defuse it that's a nice little scene but it's totally ruined by Denise Richards and the sort of 
the wrong sort of unbelievability. Like, what were we talking about? I can't remember which film it was, but there's a certain style of action movie which is just squibs, basically, and there's bangs and flashes, but no one ever really gets shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all about the gun flash and not about the bullets. Exactly. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's what you want because you just revel in the silliness of it. Even something like Die Hard is a little bit like that, to be honest. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. That's slightly yeah, better, but yeah. M- sorry, much better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in this one, everything about it just feels plasticky, and the cast look like they know exactly what their paycheck is and they know exactly what they're delivering for people, which is a very slick, very polished product that has no heart left in it. So, yeah, I'm sorry to say it's um, it's a C-plus movie and it really doesn't match up, even to Tomorrow Never Dies, which a lot of people really hate. I hate that villain. Phil hates the villain. Jonathan Price, yeah, he's not. He's, he's the not worst. Villain, but he's a better film. Mm, interesting. So there we go. I think... Yeah, that's a disappointment for me. A look back to the past that did not suffice. Mm, is that the one where he goes underwater and he adjusts his tie as he's underwater? <laughs> I think that was voted on one of those sort of Channel 4 programmes as one of the greatest moments in Bond ever. They do do... Yeah, I think that is right. They do have some underwater stuff and they get you know they get into a submarine and like... Yeah, but even those scenes are ruined because Denise Richards is there too. We gotta... Before the water floods the reactor, it's gonna go critical. Yeah, right, sure. Her name is uh, Christmas Jones in that, isn't it? I know, yeah. Worst name ever it's it's poorly done and i expect better of all involved i think oh you've got a kid on the way is uh any chance it's gonna be called christmas not christmas maybe pierce <laughs> if it proves to be a boy maybe pierce we'll see we'll see watch this space <laughs> don't uh but there you go that's me what's your last phil i'm gonna round it off with the wrestler Get some more work. All I got is weekends. Isn't that when you sit on other dudes' faces? Have you ever seen a one-legged dog? Have a beer with me? <laughs> one beer. If you've ever seen you have a daughter? No, oh, my daughter. She don't like me very much. You should call her. And you seen me? What do you want from me? I'm an old, broken-down piece of meat, and I deserve to be all alone. I just don't want you to hate me. You see me, but I Two words. Three. Match. Bring it. You know, with a little luck, this could be my ticket back on top. Tell me, friend, can you ask for anything? 80s man, best ever. Guns and Roses. Crew. Yeah, and that Cobain had to come around and ruin it all. <laughs> 90s sucked. 90s sucked. These things that have comforted me, I drive away. This life, you can lose everything you love. Everything that loves you. I'd never wrestle again. The only one who's going to tell me when I'm through doing my thing is you people here. Can I just say, Phil, I'm unexpectedly already having watched the trailer as well as heard it thinking well man I gotta see this film. It's the emotion in that guy <laughs> when he said that line. Amazing. Yeah, it's a different sort of film than I thought it was going to be and I went in knowing that it, it was uh, Something that was getting Oscar buzz at the time. It's about six years old now, I think it is, roughly. Or maybe even uh, earlier than that. Mickey Rourke is, is the is the film, basically. He is the main guy. He is uh, Randy the Ram. 
the guy who used to be a big name in wrestling and now is sort of struggling to make ends meet is doing these sort of like local shows earning money in his pocket really and just trying to keep on wrestling that's his main goal in life and other than that he's living quite a boring rubbish life in kind of a trailer and he's his kind of closest uh, confidant is a stripper who he kind of goes to regularly and there's always this question do they have a real relationship or are they just sort of is it just a business transaction sort of oh, thing man. like that and uh, as you heard in the trailer he's got he's got a, a strange daughter and all of this is going on and then that's kind of his world and then you find out that he is is unwell and now he's having to really adjust his life because he's told he's not allowed to wrestle anymore it could kill him and that's really what the whole film was about can this person who is so wrapped up in his in his world of wrestling as this star this this used to be great wrestler can he possibly kind of refocus his life somewhere else and i was really surprised i i really thought it was a good film it was a really well made film it was the right side of interestingly thoughtful if that makes sense it wasn't wanting to say anything pretentious or over the top instead it was just looking at looking at somebody as a character study and a really good one and a really satisfying one and yeah it just plays out really nicely and i don't know if you've ever seen the louis theroux documentary where he goes and looks at wrestlers no i haven't actually so i've seen that one and it's it's shocking seeing some of the things that people do who love this theatrical sport in invert in uh, air quotes uh, and the thing the crazy stuff they do to put on a show and there's a really brutal scene in this where he goes to a, a, a local match in which it's much more of a blood sport and so he's getting staples put into him and he's like having to roll around in barbed wire because that's oh, the show and you see him sort of bleeding and things like that and and it just looks brutal and really painful uh, and yet he, he obviously wants to do it because that's the way to keep on wrestling is to be willing to do these more extreme sort of things. So it's a really weird sort of bizarre world to kind of enter into, but it's fascinating. And Mickey Rourke as the Ram is a really surprising character, I'd say, because he doesn't seem to be this sort of macho bravado sort of look at me, I'm checking out my muscles. And he seems like somebody who's been a star and now is sort of wishing he could go back to the old, old days. Yeah, well, the impression I got from that clip is that, you know, he's more of a, he's aware of his ability as, as a performer rather than a tough guy. So it's less about the what he's doing, the fighting, and more about the fact that he's putting on a show. And that gives him a respect for his audience and a sort of warm heartedness, or at least that's what comes across in the trailer. Is that about right? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting... I think some of the most interesting scenes for me are when the shows are finished and he's talking to the other wrestlers, the guys who clearly think of him as this legend yeah. and his relation to them as sort of, oh, yeah, keep going, man. Like, yeah, you're going to be great. And then they're like, they're always saying, you're amazing. You were great. And he's like, oh, well, you know, if you keep on working, you'll be better than me and stuff. It's amazing because it's such a different impression uh, than I get of Mickey Rourke, the guy who's, seen, who's had a really like up and down, mysterious sort of mercurial life. And he's an odd character, but obviously he's got great talent. I mean, he was a boxer. Did you know that, Mickey Rourke? No, I didn't. Yeah, he was. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, you can see these shots of the guy getting taped up and stuff. So he, he's an unusual sort of bloke, but he obviously has, you know, great talent. And I, I suppose a real beating heart right at the center because he's able to produce something that looks genuine and, and real. And I think a lot of the, the credit has to also go to director Darren Aronofsky. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. I think he did a really good job of kind of giving this film energy and life and 
uh, realness in what could be quite boring and dull in the wrong sort of hand. So yeah, I was really impressed by this film, and I could, I can see why it was it was spoken about when it was first released. How about one of my favourites, Marissa Tomei? Good. Yeah, she's actually really good, and I think again she was kind of getting Oscar buzz. Um, so she's playing the stripper character. She's playing uh, this sort of friend to Randy. And her her own story is kind of paralleling to uh, his character because she's an a older woman and she's realising that as she gets older, she's getting less and less attention from customers because she's older and her, her whole career is around her looks and whether or not people think she's sexy and attractive and, and she's kind of realising, oh, wh- where are my relationships? What's going on? These people, they, they say they like me, but is it genuine? Is it real? Yeah. Um, can I do this forever? is my time already passed and all sorts. So it's quite a nice parallel to Randy's own story. And it kind of, it just, it par- they they have a really good chemistry, which feels authentic, even though I have no idea what it's like, well, like in that that's world. That's what's so amazing about it. And it, that takes great directing and screenwriting talent to bring out like, and expose the heart of people in careers that, you know, off, a lot of people just won't understand at all uh, and make you feel empathy for them, you know, to bring out the humanity in them. And well, I've got to say, what a surprise for the man who brought us Black Swan. Well, yeah, I mean, Black Swan was a well-made film. I just didn't like it. I think um, that might be one to review on another time because, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people have seen that film and have lots of thoughts about it. So maybe that will be a one for another day. But I think this is a really heartfelt film, unlike Black Swan. What's the grade? I think I might... uh, I want to kind of say A-, but I'm going to go B+. B+. Really? You're not going to go A-? No, I don't think so. You haven't said anything that's wrong with it yet? I think the, the daughter character, the estranged daughter, I don't think is fleshed out enough. I think that's where the film is slightly lacking. And I think it could have written in more to her. She just seems a bit sort of basic in her character. She's she feels... more there for him as part yeah, of Yeah, so psyche, that's the thing. Right? He's he's the centre he's the centerpiece. All the other characters in the story are there to to add to his own story and to kind of illustrate him, not to be any part of the focus. But I think Marissa Tomei's character has some nice parallels and is also quite distinctive as a character. I think his daughter could have been more more defined and more sort of interesting. Rather, she ends up being sort of more just a heartbroken kid. Okay, all right. Well, there we go. Thanks, man. That's You've convinced me that I want to watch that. I'm uh, surprised. I think I always had in my head that it'd be a slightly a dull film about a wrestler making it big, you know, like classic sort of... Like Rocky-esque. But not even like Rocky, which is brilliant because of its exploration of the working class and stuff. I love Rocky. It's a phenomenal film. But more boring than that, like just a rags to riches tale. But it's completely the opposite. So well done. Thank you. Um, all right, listeners, those are our four movies for this week. Thank you so much for getting in touch. We've actually had um, correspondence and stuff. People have been getting in touch and we've had rec- recommendations of films people would like us to review we are going to try and do that so always let us know if there's something you'd like us to have a look at let us know whether you agree or disagree with our reviews superbellybros at gmail.com or at superbellybros on twitter yeah give us your plus ones your minus ones we love to hear that and we love to keep score so do let us know there we go and we'll be back with you again next week thanks guys also sorry we haven't been doing the weekend recommendations thing it's been a bit tricky it's been a busy couple of months you know yeah but that will be coming back again soon don't you worry yes yes don't worry don't worry okay bye guys bye